welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. There's a chapel that's located in the Czech Republic, and it's located beneath the Cemetery Church of All Saints. It's called the Sedlik Ossuary. We have a couple pictures of it behind me on the screen. If you're not familiar with this, the ossuary contains the skeletons of an estimated 40,000 to 70,000 people who bones have, in many cases, been artistically arranged to form a decoration in the chapel. You can kind of see it's kind of creepy, isn't it? But, but it attracts nearly 200,000 visitors annually. And so I thought this was a great idea. So if, if you want to donate your body later and, and we'll start decorating, we'll try to start that here. I think that'd be kind of a cool way to do that. Now, now if you're a guest, you might say, what's going on here? What, here's what I want you to understand. I think there's something powerful about what's that doing. And I'm going to say this. I think what's going on there is really the heart of what we're going to be talking about in this series that we're going to be talking about called Church on purpose. So again, if you're a guest or watching us online or listening to our podcast, we want to welcome you. So glad that you're joining us here today. We just completed a three-month-long journey through the life and the ministry and the teaching of Jesus. And it's been a really powerful moment. We ended it with Easter, the victory celebration, as it were, of Christ resurrecting from the dead. And, and we talked about lots of different events in the life of Jesus. And some of you may remember, we talked about when Jesus came in Jerusalem on a donkey. We, we can't remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 people, we, when he walked on water, when he was overcome death by the resurrection. And, and what I want you to do is we did a, a daily reading as every day there was a place in the gospel where you could read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And some of you, maybe for the first time, read all four gospels on that three-month journey. I'm so proud of you for doing that. And what I want to let you know is that just because the series ends doesn't mean our study of Jesus ends. And I think this is very important. So all of those resources, all of the messages, all of the daily readings, we still have on our website. If you go to our website, yankton.church, you go all the way to the bottom, there's a big button that says Jesus Series. If you click on that button, it'll take you right to all of the messages. It'll take you to all the daily readings. Because here's what I mean, church. I don't want this to end. <laughs> I want it to be a library, a resource. And as long as we have the internet, we can have those things so we can go back and listen to it, share it with other people, continue to read it. Maybe if you, you know, kind of missed the boat and didn't go all the way through, maybe you need to go back. You need to read some of those days. Take your time. Go through them. It's a wonderful resource. But why do I tell you all that? Because I wanted to say, okay, what, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? Now, many of you know, um, I, uh, I plan our messages out quite in advance. I have all of 2022 actually planned. Um, and the reason I do that is because I don't wake up Saturday morning and think, hey, what should I say tomorrow? Okay, I, I take my responsibilities, your pastor, much more seriously than that. And I mentioned before how this Jesus series is really a journey, my own personal devotion for two years in the Gospels and understanding that. So when I got it all planned, excited about it, got it all mapped out, about six months ago, I kind of got depressed. <laughs> I was like, what do you do after that? <laughs> how do you follow that up? What do you do? Like, what's the next step for us as a church? And then I remembered this story. And, and I want to share this story with you because it's, it's so key and it's going to help us kind of transition from Jesus to what we're going to talk about next. And it's a fictional story. Maybe you've heard it before. But it's when Jesus returns back to heaven, and there meeting him is the angel Gabriel. Again, this is fictional, but Jesus, you know, ascended to heaven. Gabriel goes up to him, and he says, well, so how did it go? How did the mission to save the world end up? Jesus said, well, I lived 33 years in a small area in the Middle East. 
I performed many miracles. I taught about my father's kingdom, and I lived a sinless life. I willingly gave my life as a ransom for all humanity for sin. I launched God's kingdom and offered the gift of eternal life. I overcame death and appeared to my followers, about 120 people, and commissioned them to go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel. To which Gabriel was kind of confused and a little concerned. He said, let me get this straight, Jesus. You trusted the greatest message in human history of God's kingdom coming on earth to a small group of ragtag fishermen, former prostitutes, tax collectors. And they are now responsible to share this message with the entire world, even though you nor even them have traveled more than a few miles outside of their region. Jesus, what if they fail? What's your plan B? To which Jesus replied, there is no plan B. And church, can I just tell you something? There's no plan B. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was entrusted to God's kingdom. And his disciples took that all over the world and has impacted the world. Matthew 16, 18, this is what Jesus said, and this is what happened. Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And this small group of ragtag fishermen, former prostitutes and tax collectors, have changed the entire world. They brought the Roman Empire, the most powerful kingdom that's ever existed to that point, to their knees, and it all became a Christian empire. And their world is spread throughout the whole world. Billions of people now understand the gospel of Jesus Christ because of that. Church, if we really understand that the church should be the most powerful, the most attractive, and the most important thing on planet Earth to change the world the way that it did from where it started. But i got to ask you a question today, and this is kind of the point of the series. When you think about the church, is that what you think about? the most powerful, the most attractive, the most dominant thing on planet Earth? Because I would contend we see it something differently, don't we, when we look around our world. And I think there's a gap there. So we need to really talk about what it is we think about church. So to kind of introduce this for you today, I'm going to ask the question, when you think about the word church, what comes to your mind? Now, can I help you with something? It might look something like this. When you say the word church, is that what pops in your mind? A little building, a little steeple, a little cross. That's what comes to a lot of people's mind. Now, now, many of you kind of know where I'm going with this. This is not a church. This is a what? It's a building. And don't miss that. It's the heart of what we're doing. See, in the, God, in the New Testament, the, the Bible that's written after Jesus, written by his disciples to share his story and about God's church, never once is a church referred to as a building. And we're going to talk about why that's so important. But I want to give you two images that the church is. And if you got your note sheet, you might want to take these out. On the back of this, this is blank. This is so you can write a few things down. These next two things aren't going to be on the screen, but I'm just going to kind of introduce it to you. And we're going to walk through the series and talk about it. But, but here's the first image that the, they give about the church is a body. The church is a body. That's why, going back to the beginning where I talked about that little um, church in Czechoslovakia that's all decorated by bones, that's what describes the church. The church is a body. Each part is vital. Each part serves the other. And Christ is the head of the church, the head of the body. Here's the other visual that the New Testament gives about a church as a bride. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. Jesus said when he was here, I go to prepare a place for you. In that culture, when a husband and a wife would become engaged, the husband would leave and go and prepare a home for them to move into. When the home was ready, 
the groom would return, they would get married, and they would go and live happily ever after. Sound familiar? That's what Jesus is for us. We are his bride. We talked about this when we spoke about communion. Communion is actually a symbol of an engagement ring. It's Jesus saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be married to you. I'm pledging myself to you. And now our job is to prepare for the wedding. And if you've ever prepared for a wedding, you understand the challenges that that can be, right? Getting everything set up and doing it. That's the job of the church. Because in Revelation, we talk about when Jesus returns, the wedding feast of the Lamb. When Jesus and the bride of Christ, us, the church, are married together. A church is a body. A church is a bride. A church is never, ever, ever a building. That's something we made up. And so I think just to kind of help this out, I need to help you with a few things. We need to recognize there's some things we say that don't really make a lot of sense. Okay? I'm going to give you one of these phrases, and I'm guilty of this too. So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not throwing stones. But we say some silly things sometimes. Here's an example is, I'm going to go to church. Think about that. That's kind of silly to say. That's like saying, I'm going to go to my hand. Okay? Oh, there I am. I've got my hand. It doesn't make any sense. We don't go to church. Church is who we are. This is what we say at Celebrate Yankton. You've heard me say this. We, we talk about this as our Sunday gathering, right? Is this important? Yes. Every Sunday, we're going to gather together as the body of Christ, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to worship God. But we don't go to church. We are the church. Now, now, again, for most of you, you probably understand this concept and see this, but, but I want to give you a few things, and you want to write these down. These are going to be up on the screen. But when you think of church, and maybe you kind of, okay, I know the whole building pastor, but there are really a few expectations that we have when we think of church. These are a few, a list that I've created. So I'm going to give you the first one. When you think of church, a lot of people think of a place to feel God's presence. When I go to church, I want, I want to feel God's presence. That's an expectation I have when I go to church. Here's another view of church, a social club, a place where I can go and hang out where everybody knows my name and they're always glad to came. Remember that show? <laughs> I love that cheer song, right? And then that's where we meet now, cheers. We talked about that before. I love that part, right? And that's what we want. We see that. We see that in our culture. We want to have relationships. We want to have friends, a social club. Maybe when you think of church, you think of a place to read the Bible and study and prayer and read God's word. You know, we want to teach from God's word and preach from that and understand that and grow in that. And is that a good thing to do? Yeah, absolutely. How about this one? A place to minister to those in need. We just did that last week, right? We talked about pathways and, and sharing with people who are in need and, and serving other people. Maybe that's what you think about when you think about church is a place to minister to those in need. How about this one? A place to win souls. We live in a lost world. We live a fallen and broken world. And a church is a place where people can come and, and reconnect with that relationship with God and be part of that. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of church. Now, as you look at that list, and, and I want you to look at that list and maybe take some time to write it down if you haven't already. Which one or two of those really stand out to you? Because as I've shared before, I've been in the church my entire life. And I guarantee you, at least one or two of those things are kind of the top thing. When you think about church, I really, really think about that. And so what does that mean? And in this series, we're going to talk about those things. We're going to talk about what is the church? How can we have a church on purpose? Which is what we've been naming this series. Now, if you're a guest or you're new to celebrate, this is going to be a great foundation for you to understand. Not only what the church actually is, but how we do at Celebrate Church. What God has called me as the pastor to lead in this community. And it might not be the same thing that you've been thinking about. But if you've been here and you're part of Celebrate Church, I want to let you know this. This has been my prayer for you. And I pray for you every series. And this is my prayer for you this series. I think 
If you've been part of our church for a while, you've heard all of this before. You understand it up here. But my prayer for you in this series is that it will move from here to here. Because I think we understand it. I think we get it. But I don't think, and I'm just talking about our church right here. I don't think we have moved it from our head to our heart yet. Because here's why I say that. Once this idea, once this concept moves from our head to our heart, it changes everything. It changes everything about our lives, about our families, and definitely about the church that God has called us to be. So each week, we're going to go through and we're going to take a look at one of God's purposes for the church. So today, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is towards the beginning of the Old Testament. Um, it's one of the first five books of the Bible, and it's Deuteronomy chapter 6. And while you're going there, just to set this up for you, the nation of Israel had been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. God called his prophet named Moses to go down there and lead his people out of bondage, out of slavery. God delivered them in a miraculous way. We talked about that throughout our series. And then God led them into the wilderness, and God was going to lead them into the promised land. And before they went into the promised land, Moses, God's chosen leader, God's chosen prophet, God's pastor, if you will, stood before the people and he said, hey, before we go in the promised land, I want to lay a foundation for you so you can understand what it means to be God's chosen people. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'm going to start in the fourth verse. This is what Moses said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now this prayer is a very, very powerful passage. In fact, every little Jewish boy and girl to this day say this prayer every single day. It's called the Shema. And what it means is it, it's, if you want to think of kind of a modern day example, in our culture, we'd probably say the, now I lay me down to sleep prayer, right? We probably all know that prayer. You said it as kids. This is what a little Jewish boy or girl from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus to today, they would say this prayer every single day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And from this verse, I'm going to give you the first purpose of the church. This is what we're going to talk about today, and it's so important. The first purpose of any church, especially this church, is to love God. It's right there in the verse. What does it mean to love God? Moses tells us, with all of our heart. Love God with all of your emotions, with all your passion, with all your soul. It means love God with all your spirit. See, we are more than just the flesh and bones we see. We are a spiritual being, and that spirit needs to love God. And it says to love it with all of our strength. That means all of our efforts, all of our time, all of our treasure, and all of our talent should go to serve and love God. Moses continues in verse 6. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. The language for that word impress is so emphatic, I really can't have time to go through it, but that's what it means to impress on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Is there any time you're not supposed to talk about it? doesn't look like it. Tie them as symbols on your hand. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Why was Moses so emphatic about the children of Israel remembering this one thing, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength? Why was that so important? Because something happened that changed that. And, and we're going to unpack this for you too. But here's the key to it. God's purpose was to be present with his people. 
God's purpose is for him to be present with his people. And what happened a little bit before this, God had Moses take the people from Egypt and he took them to a mountain called Sinai. And God said to Moses, I, the presence of God, the almighty God is going to come down from this mountain and I am going to speak directly to the people and get them all there. They had some procedures to go through just to kind of remember, this is God, this is holy, this is important. Brought the people there and God came down and spoke to the people. Exodus chapter 20, you might want to read that this week in your reading. Exodus chapter 20, this is where this happened. This is commonly referred to as the Ten Commandments. Now, if you saw the movie with Charlton Heston like I did, right? You saw like God was writing it on the, on the stone. That's not actually how it happened. God literally spoke the Ten Commandments directly to the entire nation of Israel. They saw his presence. They felt his glory. They heard his voice. And they heard him give these ten things I need you to say. But here's what happened. The children of Israel said, we don't want to hear God's presence. They were afraid. They were terrified. And this is what the children of Israel said. Moses, Moses, Moses. Listen, listen. We can't do this anymore. This is just too much for us. Moses, here's what we want you to do. Here's our idea, because our ideas are so much better than God's, right? Here's our idea. Why don't you go, Moses? Why don't you go talk to God, okay? You, You listen to what God says, and then Moses, you come, and then we'll listen to what you say. And whatever you say, Moses, we're gonna do. That's what the children of Israel said to Moses. Was that God's plan? No. God's desire is to be present with his people. And this is the compromise, if you were, that the nation of Israel made, which is why when they went to promised land, Moses said, listen, this is so important you get this because you're going to miss something. And isn't that interesting? How, again, the children of Israel thought they knew better than God. And did it go very well for them? Well, we'll talk about that. It didn't. Out of this came a word, and I'm going to teach you a word today. You guys know how much I love to teach you words, right? You're going to learn a new word today, and this is important, talking about the church and why church is in a building, how we kind of got to where we are, because it's really part of this moment. Here's your word, mishkan. Mishkan. Look at somebody and say mishkan. Mishkan. That's a great word, isn't it? Mishkan. Mishkan is translated the word tabernacle. Now, if you got, went to Sunday school, you might remember tabernacle. Tabernacle is what Moses created for the children of Israel. It was, in a sense, their temple. It was, in a sense, the building that they went to to worship God. It was beautiful. If you read in Exodus, there's six chapters, six chapters in Exodus dedicated to describing the tabernacle, what it looks like in detail. It's one of the most boring parts of the Bible. If you ever read it, you're like, what does this mean? It's, it's huge, but it's a big deal. And the nation of Israel, they had that tabernacle for 480 years. For 480 years, the priests would set up this tabernacle. They'd worship God. They'd tear it down. They'd put it away. They'd move. They'd set it up. They'd tear it down. Set it up, tear it down. Does this sound familiar to anybody in our church? Set it up, tear it down. (laughs) For three years, we did it, right? And we complained all the time for three years. Imagine doing it for 480 years, church. That's what the nation of Israel did. And I always find that interesting. And this, this is just a side note, but I'm just, I'm just going to say, I just find it interesting. You know, when we were going through that journey for three years, you know, the number one thing people would say is, oh, when are you going to get a building? When are you going to get a building? You know why they said that? Because they didn't get this concept. Because we're so far away from what God intended, we can't think of church without a building. And the other thing that i got to say to this, and I love you, so I'm not stepping on anybody's toes here. I would hear a lot of people complain. Like, oh, you mean I got to get up a half an hour early and I got to move stuff? And in my head, I'm thinking, well, Jesus died on the cross for you and gave you, you know, freedom from your sins. Really? Is that what you're I got to stay a half an hour later and I got to pack everything up. Oh, like, I just wonder what our hearts are like. 
You see what I'm saying? I think we know this. I just don't think it's in our heart yet. Okay, that was just a side note. Well, Israel has a tabernacle, 480 years. Along comes a guy named David. And we know David, David and Goliath. David becomes king. David goes, I got a great idea. I'm going to build God a temple. This tabernacle is, you know, it's, it's outdated, 400 years old by now. I'm gonna, I'm ri- David was pretty rich. He had a lot of money. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it big. I'm going to make it awesome. We're going to take off. It's going to be the greatest thing on planet Earth. I'm going to build God this great big temple. It's going to be awesome. Here's the problem. God came to David and said, I never asked you to build me a temple. That's not for me, David. That's from you. Do, you. do you honestly think, David, in all your glory, that you could possibly build anything that's going to compare to me, the God of the universe? And David being a man after God's own heart, was humbled by that. And he said, God, forgive me. That wasn't my idea. And God said, listen, I'm going to bless what you said. You're not going to build it, but your son is going to build it. And Solomon, David's son, built the glorious temple. And it's all throughout the Old Testament. It's one of the great seven wonders of the ancient world. It was amazing. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was this great big temple. And right after the death of Solomon, as soon as this temple was made, the nation of Israel split in two. Why? Because God's intention and his desire is to be present with his people, not at a place. See, the other people of Israel that said, oh, Jerusalem's got the temple. We don't have a temple, so we don't want to go there. We want something over here for us. So they created their own thing, and they started worshiping their own gods. And the nation of Israel completely collapsed from that moment on. Isn't that interesting? This big, grand, glorious temple we have, and yet it actually drove the people further away from God than closer to God. Why is that? Because church isn't a building. It's about being present with God. And just to kind of fast forward through in case you don't know the rest of the story, the nation of Israel would continue to go their own way. And eventually the uh, Babylonians would come in and conquer all of Jerusalem. And that big, beautiful, glorious temple was completely razed to the ground. And the children of Israel went in exile for 70 years. Why? Because God never intended us to worship him from a place. His desire is to be present in our lives all the time. And this is where I'm going with this. If you lost me, come back now. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel was a prophet during the time of the exile. After the temple had been destroyed, after the nation of Israel thought they were lost, listen to what Ezekiel writes. My dwelling place. You know what the word he used there? Mishka. My Mishka will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. God's desire is to be present with us, not in a place, but everywhere we go. And just to kind of put a bow on it, the nation of Israel would return from exile. What's the first thing they did? They rebuilt the temple. (laughs) Why? Because they didn't get it. They thought you worship God in a place. And God honored that, and that temple stood until the time of Jesus. And if you remember what Jesus said when he came in there, he said, listen, this temple is going to go away but it's going to be replaced by an even better temple. And the moment, Matthew tells us, the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. In 40 years, in 70 AD, that second temple was completely raised to the ground as a symbol of God's presence in our lives. Because once Jesus has victory from death, and once he rose from the dead and started what would be his church, that he promised the gates of hell wouldn't prevail, the old way was completely gone. God said, we're done with that. We're not doing that anymore. The Holy Spirit is now going to live in us, and we can be present in that. Church, that's what we get to do now. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know 
To which I would say, no, we don't know. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Can I just say it one more time? A church is not a building. A church is who we are. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. You know the song? All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. So what's the first purpose of the church? Is to love God. Love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. But here's the problem, isn't it? There's a lot of things that keep us from loving God. Can I just say it in our lives? There's a lot of things that keep us from that love of God. We haven't gone much further than the children of Israel. Let's just say it that way. We know that God's desire is to be with us. We know that we have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, living in us, but yet sometimes we get busy, don't we? There's a lot of things going on in our life. I mean, we've got to have a job. We've got to have money. We've got to work. We have demands with our family, demands with our marriage. We want to be successful. We want to have approval. How about this? We can get so busy at being the church that we can neglect God. Can I just say something? I worked in a church for three years, and it was my full-time job to be a pastor in a church. And there were times when I wasn't really being with God. I was real busy, and I was doing a lot of things, but I wasn't actually serving God. See, that's what it means to love God. And God understood that about us. And that's why, going back to the mountain, where God spoke to the nation of Israel in person, in presence, the first time he did that, the very first thing God said, look at Exodus 20. And I'm going to start in the second verse. This is the first thing God said on the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Why was that the first thing that God would say to the nation of Israel? Why is that the first thing that God wants each of us to understand? I am God, you are not. And anything in your life you put before me is now a God, and that's not okay. If I can just say it to you like this, and you might want to write this down. What's first in my life is God of my life. That's a hard statement. What's first in your life is God of your life. And you might say, oh, yes, it's God, but let's look at the evidence here, right? Let me ask you a couple questions, and I don't like these questions, okay? I'm just telling you, I have to read these questions because God told me to. I don't like these questions. How about this one? Are you worried about what other people say? Because <laughs> if you are, that's become your God. What's first in your life is God in your life. How about this? Are you so consumed with work so that one day you can retire and take it easy? Because if that's the case, then retirement's your God. And what's first in your life is God in your life. How about this? Your life revolves around your kids, and they're so busy, and they've got a lot of things going on, school and activities. Sometimes kids can be God in your life, can't they? And what's first in your life is God in your life. What about if your life is consumed by a relationship and your marriage or maybe the pursuit of finding that special someone? If that's the case, your spouse can become God in your life. Or at least they might think they're God in your life. <laughs> Husbands, do not throw any elbows right now, okay? <laughs> what's first in your life is God in your life. And it's not what we think, it's how we live it out. And that's what God wants us to be. Can I just be honest with you, church? And, and, and again, this is going to hurt a little bit. I think we're kind of like the nation of Israel sometimes. I think the reason why we like to think a church is a building is because we like to keep God at church. See, if church is a building, then I can keep God at church, and then I can leave, right? 
and I can go do my own thing, and I can leave that set there. And I'll come back on Sunday, and I'll, I'll do my little deal, but, 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 but God, I just want you to stay over there. Why? And, and we'll even say this, and this happens a lot of times, even in the church in, in the United States of America. It happens all the time. Well, the, the pastors, right? Pastor, remember the words to Moses? Why don't, pastor, why don't you go talk to God, okay? Pastor, why don't you, you hear what God says, and we'll show up on Sunday, and we'll listen to what you have. We'll listen to what God says through you, pastor. That's what we'll do. But you talk to God for us, and then, and then we'll listen to what you say. Didn't work for Israel. It's not going to work for us either. I don't stand up here because I somehow have it all figured out and I'm the holy one and I get to talk. I stand up here because I feel God has given me a gift for communication and I feel like God has given me a gift for understanding scripture. That's the only two reasons why I'm up here. I'm still learning the same way you guys are. Please, please, please do not show up here on Sunday and wait to hear from God because you're going to fall in the same trap the nation of Israel did because what's first in your life is God in your life. Do you know why I'm here? Is because God is first place in my life. Have I gotten it right all the time? No. Have I screwed up? Yes. But I can honestly tell you, God is first place in my life. And that's why I stand up here every Sunday and I do this. Please come here on Sunday already talking to God. That's why I keep encouraging you. Be in your Bible. Read God's word. That's why we did the whole last series. That's why we did all those things. Be in God's words. Listen to what he said. God's desire is to be with you. He wants to be in your presence. He doesn't want you to hear about him from me. He wants you to talk to him directly. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and inside of you. Don't wait. And don't, please, please, don't ever let anything distract you from that. Don't ever put anything ahead of your relationship with God. That is why this is the first and most foundation principle of what it means to be the church. It's very simple. It's to love God. Because when we truly love God, we can't contain him to a place. And just like God said, I will be their God and they will be my people, that mishka. See how we redeem that word? You're a mishka. You don't go to a mishka, you are the mishka. We are his body. We function together for his purpose. And can I just say that? There is no insignificant part of your body. I have never seen my liver before, okay? I trust that I have a liver. I've never seen it before. But I've heard it's pretty important, isn't it? Right? And if I didn't have my liver, I would probably die. There's a lot of parts of the church you will never see. And you might say, Pastor, I don't know where I, where I belong in the church. Well, maybe you're one of those unseen parts. But I guarantee you, you're important. I had a guy, a true story. I heard a guy say one time, well, if, I, church is a, if we're part of the body of Christ, he's like, I guess I'm just the big toe. <laughs> to which the pastor said, buddy, you ever stub your big toe? <laughs> Hurts, doesn't it? Doesn't matter what's going on with the rest. There's no insignificant parts of the body. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're part of his church, you are a significant part of his body. And we, and I'm just talking about our church right here, we can't function without you. We're missing a part of it if we're not that. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We are preparing for the great wedding feast. That will happen. And Jesus said we're to go out in the streets and we're to invite everybody we can to come and join that. And to be part of that and plan and prepare because it will happen one day, church. Because God's desire is for his presence to be with his people, not to go to a place and worship. Church is not a building. It is a body. It is a bride. And if I could just say it again, Deuteronomy 4. Hear, O Israel. And can I just permit me to add? Hear, O Yankton. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength. What does it mean to love God in your life? What does that look like for you? Maybe it's that love God with all your heart. Maybe those emotions, maybe that emotional roller coaster that we can all get on sometimes. Maybe we just need to surrender that to God and say, God, it doesn't matter how I feel today. I'm still going to trust you and I'm going to love you no matter what. That's what it means to love God with all your heart. What about with all your soul? Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've been saying, God, I don't know about all this. Maybe it's just time for you just to surrender your soul and recognize, God, I'm going to surrender to you and all that you want me to do. Maybe it's with all your strength. Maybe you have a time, talent, treasure. How are you leveraging those things for God's kingdom? Are you using those to build your kingdom? Or are you using them to build God's kingdom? Now, I'm going to say this again. God wants to honor and bless what we do, right? God blessed what David did. God allowed David to build a beautiful temple. And I believe God wants you to be successful in life, but it can never come before him. And we can say it all we want, but how we truly live it out is how we really show that we love God. God's desire is to be present with his people, not in a place. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Let's pray. God, I always have the same feeling at this point. It's really easy for me to sit up here with a microphone, but in a minute, i got to put this thing down. And I got to step off this platform and I got to live out what you just taught. That's the hard part. God, I need you to forgive me when I put other things ahead of my relationship with you. God, I need your forgiveness for when we've done that as a church and we've gotten distracted by things that don't really matter. And God, I pray that every man, woman, and child in this room or listening to the sound of my voice would understand that you are God and we are not. Your ways are so much better than anything we could ever think of or do. And forgive us, God, when we, just like the children of Israel, come up with our own ways and say, okay, God, let the pastor go do that and, and, and then I'll listen to him. No, your desire is to be with each one of us. Jesus, because of what you did on the cross, your Holy Spirit can now live and dwell in every person and that is your desire to have that intimacy with us. And it all starts with loving you first. And God, I would contend, if we get this one thing right, it's going to change everything about our lives, about our world, and most specifically, it's going to change everything about our church here in Yankton. And God, no matter if we've heard this before or if this is for the first time, my prayer again is that it would move from our head to our heart. We wouldn't just understand this or agree with this intellectually, God. We would live it out in our lives every single day because your desire is for your presence to be with your people. And we live in a fallen, broken world that needs a church that's going to love you first and foremost in all that we do. God, I thank you and I praise you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.